I'm trying to get them to be their own coach. So before I say something, I need them to try to figure out what they're doing, right? So eventually, if you if, if you watch me work with a guy that I've been working with for a while, I might not I might say two words a whole session, right? Every time he takes a bad swing, he's telling them he's telling me what he's doing wrong and what the fix is, right? Because I tell him I said, you know, I know these lessons may be fun or whatever, but when your game starts, I'm not going to be there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the world's favorite youth baseball podcast, Clearing the Bases, featuring Coach Jimmy Filangieri. I'm David Friedman. I want to thank you for coming along on this ride with us. Our job is to is to build them up, you know, because the way I, the analogy I use is the baseball field is like the classroom, right? So if, if a kid has trouble with his math or he makes a mistake with his math problem, you don't scream at him because he, you know, he didn't carry the one. Right? You show him what he did wrong and then let him fix it. If you remember last year, we recorded from the ABCA convention. Well, this year we did the same thing with kind of a twist to it. The ABCA put together what they called Podcast Row. So the Clearing the Bases podcast, along with some other great podcasters, were set up at the convention recording live. In this episode, we sat down with our first guest live from Dallas, and that was Mr. Carl Nichols. Here we are, ABCA convention, Dallas, Texas. We have a, a special guest, Mr. Carl Nichols, who is a former Major League Baseball player, an ABCA member, and a current trainer of youth baseball is that right correct correct tell me a little bit about where did you play how did how did your career start uh well i, I played all my life I'm, my older brother like a lot of people introduced me to baseball fell in love uh was drafted out of high school in compton california uh for the baltimore orioles uh played about 18 years of professional baseball that's un- that's incredible god bless you yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was a journey, but it was fun. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Got a lot, got to do a lot of things, meet a lot of people that normally wouldn't meet, wouldn't have happened or otherwise happened. Uh, so, yeah, so I played 18 years. When I got done playing, I thought I was done with baseball. And then, then I realized, you know, the real world wasn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> of course not, right? right? Baseball is more fun. So, yeah. uh, so I got into coaching a little bit and then, you know, because when I got done playing, I was a little frustrated, you know, because I thought I should have played like everybody should have played longer in the big leagues. Uh, but at that time, you know, I was I was blaming everybody else. And then but when I started coaching, that's when I realized, it. you know, I was to blame. I was the reason I didn't play longer. Right. So that was, so my calling was to help other kids make sure they don't have this similar attitude when they go when they get into the game yeah that's that's interesting what you said though like you said when you when you stopped playing then you realize that yes the burden is all on you right. yes so, go ahead i'm sorry I, no I, you're 100 no, and uh so you know so i started coaching like i said that that's kind of been my message to all the kids is you know you can <laughs> you're gonna have plenty of reasons to blame other people have excuses because they're, they're plentiful but if this is something you want to do, you have to take control of, you know, what you're doing. Yeah. And you can't blame anybody else. You know, you because everybody gets an opportunity. You know, some get more than others, obviously. 
right? But you may, some people may only get one opportunity. But when you get it, you have to take advantage of it, and you have to be prepared for it. All right, so that's that's my message to the kids that I train is be prepared for your opportunity because you don't know how many you're going to get. But but don't don't you find that you know it's it's really that kids don't really know. There, there's actually really no way of them knowing how much work you really have to put into it unless they're fortunate enough to have somebody like yourself right. that goes out and said, "Hey, buddy, okay, you work in." You know, two hours a week on hitting is not going to make you a good hitter. Right. Correct. Yeah. And that, that, that's, again, that's a lesson that I learned because growing up, you know, I was, <clears throat> I was pretty good. And, you know, I was always one of the better players everywhere I went. You know, so it, it, so it never did occur to me that I needed to put in extra work. Right. So like you said, unless somebody tells you, you know, there's, there are some kids who just naturally do that, but they're pretty rare. But unless somebody's telling you and, tra- and, and conditioning you to... Uh, you have you have to put in extra work in order to get to now that's now that's not just baseball that's anything you're trying to achieve sure right so you got to put in extra work you know just going to practice isn't enough yeah all right you have to put in time outside of your normal practices and games and all that kind of stuff and you have to put in the right kind of work yeah we we were just talking not that long ago on the show with someone who coached henry davis who I'm sure you're familiar with Henry Davis. He was uh, yeah, the number one overall pick. Yeah, the catcher. He's from yeah. our area. Okay. okay. So I was talking to a coach about him, and I said, you know, one, one of the important things that, that kids need to know, they need to go and see a guy like Henry Davis, see what he is doing right. that got him to where Correct. he is. Because most kids... Yeah, they, they, just see him, they just see a guy show up hitting home runs and doing all this stuff and not realizing... You know what they do did to get to that p- p- position, right? Because I talk about because I uh, coached against Bryce Harper when he was 14 years old, right? And and I tell kids, you guys, you see this 300 million dollar contract, but you guys don't realize that starting at age 13, Bryce Harper would get up at five in the morning and go work out before he went to school, and then come home after his practices and work out again, yeah. right? And you know a guy like Hunter Green, who I co- who I had since he was seven years old. Yeah. Right, and Hunter Green, and this, you know, Hunter Green didn't even get his driver's license until he was 18 years old because he didn't have time to, to do all that stuff because he was always busy, uh, you know, getting himself prepared because, you know, his, his dad, his mom told me when he was in, especially in high school, he wouldn't go to bed before 1 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Right, because he'd get up at 5, work out, go to school, go to practice, come home, do his homework. And then work out again. Yeah. And he did that for four years straight while he was in high school. Well, I mean, nobody would know better than you, okay? Because obviously you went through every single level that mm-hmm. there is, okay? Little League, you know, whatever was available yep. when we were young because it wasn't travel ball no. when we were young. No. <laughs> um, maybe Legion ball, um, you know, then on high school, college. If you played college, you went right to uh, professional baseball, then to the major leagues, okay? So you've seen every single step. Yes. And I think it's important to get a perspective from somebody like you how much that talent gets better as you get up and how much harder you have to work. Well, that's, it's funny you say that because, again, I tell kids all the time, you see these see these guys the talent in the major leagues, there are probably just as much as more talent of guys that didn't make it. Yeah. And, and it wasn't because of their talent, it was because of their habits. You know, be it going out drinking or partying and or not working out or not keeping themselves in shape or or whatever the case may be. 
So, yeah, I, I've seen the best of the best. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I was teammates with Hall of Famers, you know, Eddie Murray, Cal Rifkin, Craig Biggio, Jeff Bagwell. They all have similar habits. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what makes them Correct. what they were, you know. Correct. Um, so talk to me a little bit about what you're doing now, you know, with training kids. Where, where are you working out of? What, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, so in, in 2006, I was hired at the Urban Youth Academy in Compton, the very first one that was built by Major League Baseball. So I worked there for six years. And so there I trained guys like Aaron Hicks, who's now with the Baltimore Orioles, Hunter Green, Dominic Smith, uh, J.P. Crawford. And a few other guys, you know, guys that went on playing the big leagues. Uh, so I was there for six years. Uh, and then when I left there, I actually moved to Atlanta. And uh, so basically in Atlanta, you know, I coach travel ball a little bit, but I focus more on individual training. And I train all different levels of kids. Um, you know, just most people hear about the guys that end up getting drafted. You know, like I had a kid, Tamar Johnson. He was a first-round pick by the Pirates last year. Okay. He was actually their minor league player of the year this year. Wow. Um, yeah, so so basically, I, you know, I'm training kids, and I'm, now we're going to be starting a national program with uh, a couple of my partners uh, with the National Scouting Bureau, then in the, uh, the, national, the National Prospects, or Prospect Nationals is going to be the name of the organization. So we're going to try to do this on a bigger scale. But uh, my talent, or one of my talents is... I'm able to find kids who maybe who like are flying under the radar and and bring them out and, and get them the where they where they're trying to get to because they're usually they're missing something. You know, for example, I got a kid this this year. Uh, his name is Sam Parker. So, so and I met Sam a few years ago. And when I first met him, he was like five ten, and uh, you know, he's a good good ball player or whatever. But he wasn't getting the attention of scouts. Well. Eight months, eight months later, he was six four, <laughs> right? But you know, again, he was a good ball player, but he wasn't he wasn't doing what a six four guy should be doing, right? Right. So I started working with him, and all of a sudden he starts hitting home runs like he should be, and then the scouts started showing up, and he ends up getting drafted this past June or July by the Minnesota Twins. Now he didn't sign because he was late draft pick, so but he's at junior college now right now. Okay. He'll be getting drafted again this year. Right. Right. So, which I love that, by the way. Which yeah. So basically, I was able to help him find his potential. You know, this past fall at Chipotle, he's at Chipotle College. Uh, they played fourteen game, fourteen games in the fall. He had seven home runs in fourteen games. Right. So he's going to be a high round draft pick in the, in the spring. So I have a lot of stories like that with guys that I work with, just to show them, uh, help them find their potential. Uh, there's a kid named Dylan Tate who's with the Orioles in the big leagues. I don't know if you guys know him. So Dylan, Kate, Dylan Tate was one of my guys. He actually quit baseball when he was in high school. Really? Yeah, and I, and I, I brought him out to Atlanta for two. Why did he quit? He quit going into his senior year. He quit after his junior year. Or he was going to quit. Let's put it that way. His uncle told him, before you quit, go see Carl. So he came to see me and he threw a bullpen for me and I'm like, because he, he wasn't playing with his high school team. And I'm like, why is why would this kid not be playing? So I took him to, uh, we went on like a six-week tour of doing tournaments back east in Atlanta and then a couple other places. And uh, he pitched well, got his confidence back. And then I, I actually helped him confidence. get into, yeah. So I helped him get into college. He ended up going to UC Santa Barbara. And um, it's after sophomore season, he was 
he called me and he was kind of down and because uh, he wasn't getting a chance to pitch a whole lot. So I, uh, I hooked him up with my, I have a speed trainer who, guy, his name is Ed Lovelace. He used to, he was an Olympic sprinter. Okay. So one of the things we do is we take the Olympic training model to baseball players because it helps with everything, speed, uh, bat speed, arm speed, everything. So basically, he started working out with Ed. His velocity went from 91 to 100 miles an hour in, Whoa. in, in six months. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And he, so, so he ended up being the first pick of the, uh, after junior, he ended up being the first pick of the t- first pitcher taken. In, the, in that draft that year. Good for him. Wow, that's a great story. Yeah, so, yeah, so, this, so again, I have a lot of guys like that where they, you know, they just start performing and then all of a sudden they start getting the attention of. Well, you know, I mean, really, let's call it what it is, okay? You said there's a lot of kids that, you know, maybe would have fallen by the wayside. Coaches need to build yeah. kids up. Right. Not look at a kid and say, well, he's 14 years old, this is wrong, that's wrong. No, wait a minute. He's 14 years old. How can we help him? Right. Okay. Now, granted, we're not going to make major leaguers out of every right. single kid, but let's make him be the best that he can Correct. be. Correct. Correct. Yeah, because the majority of guys that I help and work with, getting them into college, you know, and I, and, and I to tell them, I said, you know, I'm realistic with them. Everybody's not going to be a major leaguer. Yeah. Right? But, as, but you can be a major league uh, contributor to society. Absolutely. Uh, and on top of that, there's other uh, jobs within baseball if you like the game that you can stand. You go to college, get your degree, and you, know, you may be a general manager one day. You know, exactly. A lot of things can happen. A lot of things in this can game. Do. So you know, a lot of the stuff that I've seen um, that you've posted on um, on social media. Okay, a lot of it is about hitting, right? Yes. Let's talk a little bit about that because the reason why I want to talk about that because I agree with almost everything that I've read that, right. that you put out there. Yep. Where I know that not everybody does. So let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it, it's it's interesting. I've had some interesting conversations online about with hitting when I'm talking hitting. Uh, you know, like I get a lot of people want to know how can a career 206 hitter be a hitting coach. Right, and that was that was my major league numbers. You know, my minor league numbers are a little bit better. Uh, well, it was because of that 207 number that I I, I sought out the answers because I felt like I was better than what my numbers were showing, and there was a, and there, so there had to be a reason. Uh, so what started me on this path of hitting was well, the first person was Don Slot. Right, he used, and he I guess he went through a similar thing, so he was able to figure it out, and, and ended up having a you know, long major league career. So he he created a program called the Right View Pro. You know, so and so there's a lot of instruction in this his program to go along with the being able to evaluate different hitters. And he explains everything, you know, step by step, you know, the hit. So that was the beginning of my learning process. And then I ended up meeting Reggie Smith. Okay. So and so Reggie Smith was every was basically every, able to help me figure out the pieces that I was missing with, with, with hitting, right? A lot of stuff, because I was a catcher when I played. So one of my strengths as a catcher is was I could figure out what was going on with the hitter, and I knew how to attack what was going on with, with his swing, whether he was struggling or not, right? Well, Reggie helped me figure out, articulate what I was seeing with those hitters, right? So now I do the same thing when I work with hitters. I can see the flaws in their hitting, Right, as if I was catching, but now because thanks to Reggie and Don Slot, 
I know what the cause of those flaws are, and I know how to fix them. Fix them, yeah. Right? So that's why I get such good results from so many guys when I work with them. A lot, a lot, a lot of times I say this, and tell me if I'm wrong, all right, the, the, the good instructors know what to fix yes. and what to leave alone. Exactly. That's, and it's funny you say that because, again, I've had uh, parents, not necessarily kids, parents who didn't want uh, to bring their kids back to me because they said I was, I was too quiet. All right, and, I'm, and my thing is, well, if you're doing what you're supposed to do, you don't need me trying to fix something that's not broke. Right, because usually when I when I do my lessons, the first lessons is like an hour, hour and a half, and most of it is me talking and explaining the swing and explaining their swing because everybody's swing is unique to them, and and explaining to them cause and effect. Right, so every lesson after that, I'm trying to get them to be their own coach. So before I say something, I need them to try to figure out what they're doing. Right, and so eventually, if you if, <clears throat> if you watch me work with a guy that I've been working with for a while I might not I might say two words a whole session right every time he takes a bad swing he's telling them he's telling me what he's doing wrong and what the fix is right because I tell him I said you know I know these lessons may be fun or whatever but when your game starts I'm not going to be there yeah. you got to figure out what you're doing right there on the spot not come back to me and give me another hundred dollars for a lesson because that's 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 not how it works that's not how it should work yeah all right so yeah, I, I could I, I could not agree with that more. Yeah, so, you know, and I don't do a lot of lessons. You know, I try to do that, you know, like other guys, because you know, because there's a lot of a lot of us out here that just just running them in and out. Yeah, you know, the cash register. Yeah, and so I don't do that. You know, I may do, if, you know, if I'm on a Saturday, I may do three lessons in one day. So I spread them out, right? So I, even though it's you know maybe an hour lesson, but the kid may get an hour and a half or hour forty five minutes because that's what he needs. Right, I don't. I don't send them away when I'm done. I send them. They go. They finish when they're done. When they're done. When they get tired and all that stuff. So, but I, I love what you said about they have to be their own coach. So true. I agree with that 100. percent I mean, even during a game, I've talked about it on the show a million times. Okay, so I'm a high school baseball coach. During my games, you don't even know I'm there. You don't hear me say anything. Yeah. They're on the field. They need to make decisions. They need to figure out what they're doing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I may say, you know, hey, what happened there? Yeah, whatever. That's that's but go do your thing, okay? Whatever happens, yeah. believe me, we'll address it in practice, yeah. okay? But during the game, go do your thing. Yeah, and that's my, that's my coaching style, too. And again, I've had parents say that they don't want to play for me because I don't, you know, I don't say anything because they're, they're so used to having coaches scream at their kids constantly. And I just remember as a player, you know, I hated people screaming at me. If I'm doing something wrong, just tell me when I get to the dugout, and I'll try to fix it. Right. I mean, you did something wrong. You didn't want to do something right. Yeah, because I'm like, you know, I watch these coach, some of these coaches, and they're screaming at the kids. And I'm like, the kid's not trying to make an out. He's not trying to make an error. And, you know, I mean, because I, I remember one specifically. I had, I had a, a group of 11 year olds. There were t- actually there were 10. Yeah, 10 going on 11. And we played a tournament, and most of the kids it were first time they played for. Me. And so uh, one of the, a third baseman, you know, had a tough inning. He made a couple of errors, right? So after we get the third out, he comes running off the field, and he's just in tears. And I'm like, what's wrong? And but he was just so used to being screamed at every time he made a mistake, 
and I just told him, dude, it's okay. It's not a big deal. Everybody makes errors. You know, just get yourself together and get ready to hit. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I think that, that that's one of the things that we, the message that I know I need to get out or I want to get out to youth baseball coaches, you know, parent coaches that, that are they're trying to help. They're doing the best that they can, okay? But to your point, I've been coaching for a very long time. I know there's not one player I've ever had that made an error on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so we want to try and get that message out to say to parents, you know what? Kid makes an error. Pat him on the back yeah. and tell him, hey, buddy, put that yeah. behind you. Let's go. Yeah, because, you know, anybody that's competitive that wants to win, nobody's harder on, nobody's harder than the player is on himself. Yeah. Right? So, again, so we don't, they don't need us piling on. Yeah, you know, to what they, I already feel bad. You know, yeah. they let the they let the team down and all that kind of stuff. So, we you know, our job is to is to build them up. You know, because I the way I an analogy I use is the baseball field is like the classroom, right? So if if a kid has trouble with his math or he makes a mistake with his math problem, you don't scream at him because he, you know, he didn't carry the one, right? You show him what he did wrong and then let him fix it. You help him. And, and that's, that's what we got to. That's what we're supposed to do, especially with the younger kids on the baseball field. Yeah, right. Because I tell parents all the time. I say, if you, if, if your kid has aspirations to play beyond high school, okay, you got to make it fun for them first. Because when it gets really tough, you know, and if you don't, if they don't love the game, they're going to quit at the first sign of adversity. Yeah, right. And it's, and it's your love of the game that's going to carry you through that adversity. We actually use a failure protocol. And again, our, uh, our listeners have heard me say this a million times. You make an error, you make a miscue. We actually have a protocol that that player has to go through. And the idea is to get his mind on something else yeah. so he forgets about that and he moves forward. Yeah. And I don't know why more coaches don't do that. Uh, <laughs> well, again, I, pro- I mean, that's probably a, a number of reasons. Uh, I think for me, I, my opinion, one of the reasons is a lot of us coaches are in it for the wrong reason. Especially in travel ball, yeah, right. In travel ball, you're in it for the money, right. In order to make money, you got to go win tournaments, right. In order, in order to sell yourself to that next kid that's coming in, right. Because again, a lot of the tournaments that I coach in, we struggle. Number one, because a lot of times I I have my kids play up, you know, so we don't necessarily win like some of the other organizations. Right. Now, for example, <clears throat> when I was at the academy. I took a group to Australia. We went to Australia and played. Well, actually, before we went to Australia, we went to China okay. in, the, in the summer. Wow. A group of 14-year-olds. And well, it was supposed to be 14 years. Most of them were like 11, 12, 13. Right? Dominic Smith was one of those kids on, the, on that team. So we went to China, and we were there for 10 days. We didn't win one game, <laughs> right? Because they were, they were playing against 16-year-olds in China. Yep. Later that year, we went to Australia with the same group of kids. We went to Australia. They played against kids their own age group, and we went like eight and three in Australia. Yeah. Same group of kids, same everything, but um, but because you know, I always had, I always train them to play up. Yes, you know, the, uh, you know, it just helps them get better fast. You don't necessarily win the games, all the games all the time, but for me, they get better faster. Yeah, right, and then you know, because because I, I had these guys facing got, when I was at the academy. I had Dominic Smith and J.P. Crawford and all those guys when they were 12, 13 years old facing pro guys throwing 90. Yeah, wow. Right? And, I, and when they go up to the plate, like, okay, probably not going to get hit, but let's see if you can just make contact. 
right? They made contact. It, it, it was an accomplishment. You know, they come back to the dugout cheering that they made it up, yeah. right? But it built it. You know, now when they go back and face their, their peers, their own age, it's not a big deal. Yeah. You know, facing velocity or their curveball or whatever they're seeing, yeah. right? So, um, you know, so for me, is you know, playing when I do coach in tournaments, it's about development here first. You know, and now <clears throat> learning how to win is part of that development. Sure. But it's not, the, it's not the same thing as winning because uh, I tell guys all the time, I can go out and win um, tournaments after tournament. All I can do is get the biggest, strongest kids, stack my team with a, with a bunch of pitchers, and you can win all day. Right. But are they necessarily getting better? Right. Are you learning anything? Are you learning anything? Right. Right. Or, you know, you got this uh, 25-man roster, you know, guys, he, he goes over to you, pinch hit for him. Right, because you're trying to win the game instead of letting that guy figure it out in his third or fourth at bat. Right, so we need we need we need more guys with with your train of thought. Yeah, and then unfortunately, again, the parent that that doesn't appeal to that don't appeal to the parents. A lot of the parents, when you do it that way, right? Again, they they because they want to win uh, right now. You know, again, which doesn't necessarily help them in their long term development. Right. So, yes, I I've dealt with that too. You've only won 50% of your games, yeah, 40% right. of your games. Why should I bring my kid back? Right. So what I'll do is I'll take the parent, sit down, bring the player over, sit down. Okay, let's talk. Before this year, did you know how to do this? Right. No, coach. Do you know how to do it now? Yes. And I'll go through a whole litany of things, okay? And then I'll look at the parent and I'll say, he got better. We didn't win. Right. He got better. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, what I do it, I was like, you know, if they want to go somewhere else, I said, okay, good luck to you, All right? And then usually I'll, later on, they'll either come back to me or one of the other parents will say, well, so-and-so wants to come back, but he's afraid or they're afraid to come back. Why? Because they think I'm going to say something oh, oh, about oh, okay. them leaving in the yeah, first yeah. place, Yeah. right? Because usually, you know, again, cause they, especially if they've been with me a while, they realize when they go to these other coaches, they're not, they're not getting, like you were saying, the development that they were getting with me. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, simple, simple little things like, again, high school level. Okay, guys, come on. We're going to do leads off the first base today. Everybody line up. Now, I expect, however many players I have, let's say I have 20 players, I expect them all to line up and do their leads and right. I'm done. Right. Okay. So that's not the case. Right. It's okay, guys. This is how we do. Now, again, we're talking at the varsity high school level. How can it be that nobody ever taught you how to take the right. proper lead? It's it's a basic rudimentary thing that should only really take ten minutes to, to teach you. It it, it it drives me nuts, and I go to these you know because I live like I said I live in Atlanta now, so I go to East Cobb a lot and see all the tournaments. Yeah, and I'm watching these so-called elite players and elite teams, and they can't do the simple stuff you're talking about. You know, probably the thing that drives me the craziest the most is how they don't hit their cutoff men. Oh, please. <laughs> and I just, I just, how do you, because I can remember growing up my, with my brother, my older brother, who introduced the game to me. That's the first thing he taught me is how to play catch, right? Because if I threw a ball over his head, he'd make me go get it. Yes. All right. I got tired of chasing the ball, so I learned how to play catch, you know. But I, I still do that today. Yeah, today. I, well, I do too. <laughs> if, if you're throwing this way and you miss him, you throw over his head. You, you run and get it, right. and he replaces you. Right. But uh, so that's, you know, little stuff like that, you know, running the bases, knowing how to round the base or. And another thing you said that I just want to hammer home so our listeners can hear this about hitting a cutoff. OK, 
if you want to see me get upset, okay, <laughs> you watch a guy airmail a ball yeah. from right field to home, yes. doesn't get the runner, and the hitter advances to second base. I will lose my mind. Same here. That's same. I, I tell him, you know, it's not a thing. You're not going to hear me scream a lot in the dugout during the game. But that's was one of the things. Mental. You, yeah, because it's a mental mistake. Right? I may not say nothing. I may not scream the first time. Right. But if you repeat it, now we got a problem. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. you know, I'm going to scream at you. And if I got a sub, I'm subbing you out. Exactly. There's no, excuse, there's no excuse for not hitting the cutoff, man. But, again, you know, so many of these guys aren't taught that, especially guys when you know, they got a good arm, they want to show off their arm. And I'm like, you know, you can't throw anybody out up there. <laughs> you know, it just takes longer to get to where you're trying to throw it. And then, then you allow those guys to take that extra base. The, the other thing, too, which to me is very important is, you know, we want our players to know the situation. Okay? Don't get me wrong. Bottom of the seventh, tie game, that guy's going, yes, I want you to... Yeah. You know, you got it. Right. You don't have a choice. Right. But on a random run-of-the-mill play, no, we're hitting the cutoff. Well, and then that's, that's a, again, that's what I teach as well. You know, I, I tell them when, you, when you're on defense, you should be thinking about three plays at a time or, or you know, or ahead three plays. But, um, but that's something we learned playing pickup ball growing up. Sure. Well, now kids, when they, start, when they first start playing baseball, the their first experience in baseball is travel ball. Yes. So when they're doing travel ball, they're told how to think and what to think. Yes. And they're not allowed any. They're not allowed their freedom to make a mistake. They try different things and to see where their where their strength and weaknesses are. Well, you, well, you, you had mentioned about pickup games. Okay, so when we were kids, and we're probably about the same age, yeah. when we were kids, we very rarely. I know I very rarely did we have eighteen guys to right. put nine and nine. Right. So we modified the game. Yeah. And, and played, but those modifications taught us was our training. Yeah. how to hit the ball the opposite way, how yep. to do this, how to do that. Taught us a lot. Yeah, we, yeah, we played, uh, I played a lot of over the line. I don't know if you guys played that. Yeah, we played over the line. We used to play, um, we call it pickle. You yep. know, we played that game. We played three flies up. Uh, we played strikeout. Yep. All those different games, but not realizing that was our, we were training for to learn how to play because, you know, we, it taught us, you know, the bat control, control, throwing the ball, and, you know, just different aspects of the game that you would need in the course, on the course of the game. And you learn what your strengths and your weaknesses were, right? And so, so yeah, we, that's, uh, these kids don't do that today. It's a shame because I know that we played stickball in the schoolyard forever, okay? Yep. So stickball bat is a little bit bigger than yeah. the broom handle, yeah. okay? Yep. What did that do for us, you know, in terms of barreling balls up, hand-eye coordination, right. so much? And we were just fooling around, basically. Well, and it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because part of what I teach and what I've learned from Reggie Smith is allowing the body to do what it naturally wants to do, right? So with no, with no coaches around, you had, you had to figure out a way to get that bat or that stick on that little object you were trying to hit. Right, and you couldn't you couldn't do that by doing something that wasn't natural for you. Yeah, right. Which is what I teach with the, with the hitting, you know, because yeah. uh, I took you know from uh, what Reggie Smith taught me. I'm not teaching you your swing; you're teaching me your swing. That's right. I'm just showing you how to be efficient and consistent with your swing. Sure. Right, because that that was part of my struggles as a player is I was constantly going against what my body naturally wanted to do. I, f I figured that out later, obviously. 
but I but it was a struggle because I was doing what they were telling me to do, which wasn't correct, versus what my body naturally wanted to do. Isn't that interesting? Because yeah, I, I find the same thing. You know, and again, people on the shows heard me say this a million times. There's only a couple of things that I believe needs to like. In other words, number one is your head can't move. Okay, if your head is moving, your yeah. eyes are moving. You right. can't see the baseball. Correct. You can't hit it. I don't care what you do. Okay. So again, I'll go through a, a few things with my players, but again, I want their body to, what you just said, move the way it moves Correct. best for you to be able to get the barrel to that ball. Correct. Yeah, I mean, and that's the, probably the biggest thing I learned about hitting is, you know, we, you know, not enough uh, attention is brought to the, to the head movement. Because again, looking back, when I played, I had a lot of head movement when I was, go when I was going bad. All right, and nobody ever talked to me about my head movement. You know, again, they, 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 they're telling me to stop rolling over or stop swinging up or stop whatever I was doing, but nobody told me why I was doing all that stuff. Yeah. See the ball, hit the ball, done. <clears throat> yeah, and, and I've heard that all my, my whole life, but it was never explained to me what, what that actually meant. What it actually means, yes. And that, that, that was what I had a problem because for me as a player, I took everything literally when you told me something. Right. Even though, even if it didn't make sense to me, I would still do it. Right. So I tried when I, you know, when I'm teaching, I try not to use the buzzwords. Okay. You know, I tell them exactly how it works, and then if you need a, a cue for yourself, then you make up your own cue to get you to that. That's point. interesting. But I'm going to tell you exactly how this your swing works, not uh, again, not the cues or the buzzwords, because the cues don't work for everybody. You're going to have to explain that to me because I'm a big cue guy. So now I'll just give you an example, okay? So in other words, I'll say to my players a lot, stay on top of the baseball because of the, right now, the tendency to create right. launch hangers. So go ahead, tell me okay, why, so why that, it's bad. what you just said, stay on top. So when I, used to, when I used to hear that, I used to chop down, you know, and, and roll my hands over and chop down because I'm trying to stay on top of the ball. But... Now I know that stay on, stay on top of the ball means your hands just stay above the barrel, right? Again, nobody ever explained that to me as when I was playing. So you told you tell me to stay on top of the ball. That's what I'm doing. I'm chopping. I'm tomahawking the ball. You know, that's belt high. Yeah. So I, I should say though, when I do use that cue, believe me, I've already explained it. it doesn't right. mean chopping. No, and down. again, so for some guys, you use the cue that. They could figure it out right away. I wasn't one of those guys. I took everything literally, right? So, I'm, again, so I make sure. Now, once we've established what we're doing, then I may say, you know, stay on top of the ball. Then they'll know what it means. But just just to throw that out there and then without any explanation, oh, yeah, it messes yeah. a lot of kids up. So Yeah. Well, I mean, it also goes back to something that you said earlier about um, coaching for the next level, okay? So with my high school team, we actually sit and meet to explain every single thing that we're doing that day. Because again, it's the way it's going to be done on the next level. That's right. what they're going to do. So to your point, yes, hitting, we'll, we'll explain. This is what we mean by that. This is, and teach the players that way. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, if, if you don't explain it, like you said, then they're going to make up their own opinion. Right, and then again, like I said, if they don't, they don't understand their swing, what's going to happen is when you get to that next level, uh, a lot of these coaches will screw you up. Because yep. I got... Two guys who were in a uh, yeah pro ball came back home during the off season. Said these said their minor league coaches don't know what they're what they're talking about. Right. <laughs> so I got one kid who was uh, when I got him in high school, he was another example of a kid who wasn't on anybody's radar. He was he was headed to Indiana. 
as an outfielder. I started working with him right before, after his junior year. Yeah, like middle of his, yeah, the end of his junior year, I started working with him. His next 72 at bats, he had 21 home runs. He ate how many? 21. Wow. So he ended up being a fifth round draft pick. <laughs> well, he gets to the team that drafted him. Now, <clears throat> mind you, they drafted him because of his power. Switch, yeah. He's a switch hitter, good power, all that. He gets there. They're telling him, try to hit the ball off the pitcher's mound. Whoa. I mean, literally, he's trying to hit the pitcher's mound. Wow. Right? And he, that's what he tries to do. Sure. He's struggling. All right? And he, great kid, nice kid, you know, just trying to do what they're telling him to do. And I tell him, I said, well, why did they draft you? And he said, well, they drafted me because of my power. And so I said, well, when's the last time you've seen a ball go over the fence that hit the top of the mound? <laughs> right? You know, because he, he, he he's changed his swing. Now he can't, not only can he not get the ball in the air, he can't even make contact now. Yeah. Because cause he's one of those kids, you, get, you can't give him a lot of information. Yeah. Right? It just screws him up. Right? Yeah. And he's been struggling. And that's so why I finally got, I told him, and I, actually I told him before he even got drafted this was going to happen. I said, when you start having success, people are going to come, especially at the pro level, they're going to come want to put their stamp on you. Right? They're going to give you this yeah. information. Probably going to be bad information. You have to learn to let it go in one ear and out yeah, the yeah. other. You know, you don't. You be nice about it. You say, "Yes, coach, I'll give it a try." When you, especially something you know doesn't work, right? And but I'm actually going to ask you something because mm-hmm. I want help with this. Yes. Okay. Because something again that you just said makes me think. I've had in the past many, many times. Okay, young players, 13, 14, maybe 15. Their hands. The first move is to drop their hands. Right. Okay, and then come up through the ball. A lot of times the way I try and fix that is I give him a key and I tell him, hit the ball into the ground 30 feet in front of you. Okay, so I'll take him so that their hands are here coming down at the baseball. So that they, once they do that, then believe me, we, we make sure that they're not driving the ball into the pitcher's mound. But what do you think about that? Is that right or wrong? <laughs> no, be honest with me. No, you know, you see, I'm laughing because there really is no right or wrong. Because again, every individual is different. So if he's having that issue, then that's something he needs to change. Because you know, sometimes I'll do stuff, you, you, you know, with kids that they won't be doing in the game, but we're trying to change a habit. So what you are doing is you're trying to change a habit. Yes. So that doesn't make it right or wrong. You know, now if you got somebody who doesn't do that and you know, all of a sudden you're doing that for, for no reason. Well, it may that's, not a, be the best that's a different thing. story. But, so, yeah, I don't think it's wrong because that's what that kid needed. I mean, I can tell you I've had success with it where kids that were dropping their yeah. hands, did they come become prolific hitters? No. Right. But their hands went from here straight to the baseball. Yeah, because I, I mean, I'm a believer that you know, if a kid does have some kind of bad habit, um, you have to go to the extreme with yes. a lot of the kids are the Love opposite it. to get them out of that habit. Because if you just tell them, like, for example, the example you use, uh, get your hands up and you just leave it, at, leave, it at, leave it to them to do it, they may start, but then they'll go back to what their old habits are. So, so I tell them, you know, you know, if we're doing something crazy, I said, we're not going to do this in a game. I'm trying to get you out of your old habit. Same thing. Right? So we go to the other extreme. And once they stop doing the, other, the bad habit, then we can get back to somewhere in the middle. Exactly. I always yeah, tell so. them, and I'm glad, you, I'm glad you said it, because that's what I tell them. I don't want you doing this in a right. game. In the game, I don't want anything in your hands. Right. So what I want you to do is think about the situation, have an approach, hit the baseball. That's it. We'll work on this stuff uh, at practice. But, yeah, once we correct that and we see their hands are moving, yes, then we go back to other yeah. things. So that was great. Yeah, so, again, in, 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 again, we don't talk enough about how much the brain plays a part in hitting. 
you know, because all that stuff we were just talking about is, you know, brain function. Yeah. You know, we got to train, retrain our brains sometimes to, to, to get our bodies to do what we wanted, wanted to do. So, yeah, because let's face it, what really happens in anything that we do, whether it's pitching, fielding, hitting, doesn't matter. The way this works is whatever our eyes see, our brain processes, and our brain tells our body how to move. Yep. You don't think when you're throwing the baseball, well, wait a minute, let me bring my arm here, up here. You're not thinking that. You're like, I'm throwing it to him. Boom. And your, your, your brain does the rest of the work. Yeah. That's the, well, that information, it goes to your subconscious. Your subconscious does all that stuff. It's like, you know, if you put your hand on a hot stove, you know, you don't sit there and say, hey, the stove is hot. I think I better move my head. It's just, it's just reaction. reaction. So, but that's your subconscious brain doing that. So that's what we try to get, you know, with hitting. We, uh, we're just playing, period. We want everything to be in our subconscious, so we just react the way we're supposed to react. But, but you have to train that. You know, this doesn't happen automatically with, with most of us. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, all of the stuff about hitting is great stuff. I hope that everybody out there got something from it. If people wanted to get in touch with you in the, in the Atlanta area or people wanted to come and train with you, how did they get a hold of you? Uh, uh, you, you? You like your referrals, but I guess you give my number out. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I'm on Facebook a lot, but I don't do the other social media a whole lot. So it may sit there for a while. But I'll just give out my number. My number is 404-426-5308. And then, uh, yeah, so if you're interested, just send me a text. And then, um, you know, we'll work something out. And um, we're actually, we're doing national teams this year, too. So if you got any kids out there looking for a national team to get some development, at all, you're doing from 12 to 18. So <clears throat> we have that available as well. Well, I, I got to tell you, everybody, I mean, really, this has been a great conversation with Carl. I'm glad that we were able to hook up here at the convention. And if you're in the Atlanta area and you don't look him up, well... <laughs> then you you know it's one of the how do we say that you get what you deserve okay here's a guy who has a wealth of knowledge and if i were you i'd reach out to him if you're in atlanta and by the way i believe atlanta is the most the, the city that listens to this show the most is i believe it's atlanta yeah, yeah, well, that's one of the reasons we moved there. Atlanta's just, just, it's just a hotbed for, hot not, bed for the baseball. The whole state of Georgia is a hotbed for baseball. Cause, yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing because I would think, you know, being in New York, New York's a big state, people would look, no, Atlanta, Georgia's our number one city. And it's funny because a lot of kids that I work with in Georgia, uh, if they lived anywhere, they probably would be playing football. And in fact, I remember I had one kid <laughs> who, was at, who was at a high school on a football scholarship. Right, and he he said he used, he was a running back. He said he would intentionally fumble balls so the coach wouldn't play him. Really? Right, because he, he he only wanted he was there because he had for the football scholarship, so he had to play football. Right, but he he preferred baseball. Right, right. So he intentionally didn't play well on the football field just so they wouldn't put him out on the in the in the game. That's amazing. Right? But I had a lot of guys for, who preferred baseball over football, which was surprised me when I got there. But yeah, Georgia's a hotbed right now. Well, I got to tell you, Carl, again, thank you so much for coming on. I got to tell you, this is the second year. Last year we recorded from here, second year we're doing this. And I love these um, person-to-person, yeah. in-person conversations because typically when we do the show, it's on a Zoom call and right. you have somebody right, on the right. screen. This is the best. I want to thank you so much for awesome, coming on, awesome. and it was a great conversation. You, and you talked to Springer, right? I'm sure you had a Steve Springer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. So he was a tough out for me when I played against him. Yeah. And so everything he talks about now, he did it when he played. Yeah, I mean, he, he's become 
a a good friend. What a great guy! Oh yeah, yeah. Man. He was like I said. He he's one of those guys who shouldn't have been a professional, yeah. just based on you know looking at him and you know he wasn't fast, didn't have a great arm, didn't have a lot of power, but he was just a tough out. He had yeah. this, yeah, right. And you couldn't. And I, he was one of those guys I had a hard time figuring out when he came to the plate. Yeah. You know? So it was, yeah. it was always a battle, which I love. You know, playing against guys like him. Cause, yeah. Because he's you know it made me better. Yeah. I mean, you know, again. I, I look at it like this way. Not a, I'm not a player anymore. As a coach, I got to keep grinding. I got to keep working. I got to get better. I got to talk to guys like Carl Nichols, Steve yeah. Springer, all of these guys, because I only get better. Yeah, it's a grind, yeah. just like anything else. So, yeah, 100. Thanks so, again for coming. All right, on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, maybe we'll do it again next year or, or sooner. <laughs> Anytime you want. Okay. What a way to start off the 2024 ABCA convention. Call was a great guest. I enjoyed the conversation incredibly. And, you know, one thing I do got to tell you is that he set the bar kind of high for our other guests to follow. But you want to know something? Something tells me that they're going to rise to the occasion. So listen, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. It'll let you know when new content is released so you won't miss out on any of the amazing information that our guests have to offer. Also, Reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, now known as X, or shoot us out an email at clearingthebases at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Oh, and before we go, I don't want to forget, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you on the next one.